For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Shane Told. Just like every single week, this is Lead Singer Syndrome. I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. And we have a very awesome episode this week with Bear Reinhardt of Need to Breathe, a band that is kind of under the radar a little bit, I think. A lot of people associate them with the Christian scene, and yes, they are a Christian band. However, they're pretty damn popular. Platinum selling, Grammy nominated, millions and millions of streams, probably billions of streams if we're being honest, and what a career they've had over the past 20 years. We talk about that. We talk about his successful college football career, which is rad, touring with Taylor Swift, touring with Faith Hill and Tim McGraw. This guy has done a lot of stuff, and it was so great to have him on the show. I can't wait for y'all to hear this. Before we get into that, I want to remind you, as I do most weeks, you can get in touch with me. You can send me an email. My email address is leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read them all. I have been very busy dealing with all sorts of things in my life over the past couple of weeks. Nothing bad. Nothing bad. Everything's fine. But 
I do try to get back to everyone. Sometimes I do much better than other times, but I will read them regardless. I have some news. My band Silverstein, we are playing our first concert live in the flesh in more than five and a half months. It is a drive-in concert in Ancaster, Ontario. We're having our good buddies in Rarity open up for us. And it's going to be very different. I never thought in my whole life I would be playing a drive-in show. But desperate times, desperate measures. It's going to be super cool if you are in Ontario. I don't think Americans can cross the border, unfortunately, to come up. It would be really awesome if they could. Hey, maybe they'll let you. I don't know. But regardless, we are doing this show September 25th, Ancaster, Ontario. We're going to have... The sound piped in to your FM radios. There's going to be food. There's going to be merch. But, of course, it will be socially distanced. It's going to be a good time. I'm excited. We have 40-foot screens on either side of the stage. You're going to be able to see what's going on. It's going to sound awesome because the company is bringing in all the sick production. So get your tickets now. I don't have a link (laughs) Just Google it. I'm sure it'll come up. Silverstein Drive-In Concert, September 25th, Ancaster, Ontario. It is super, super exciting. We also put out a new video, too, for an alternate version of our song, Infinite. Why don't you look that one up as well? I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode. If it's your first time, please go back. Check out the other 239 episodes that I have out. And if you do want more, if you do want to support this podcast, check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. The link for that is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. And for just a few dollars a month, it really does help us keep this thing going for free, keep the lights on, deal with all the expenses. And of course, you get a bunch of stuff, perks, merchandise, access to an incredible community of other fans of the show, more access to me. I do question and answer sessions and live streams and all kinds of stuff. So check that out. LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash all access. All right. That about does it for the intro. Let's get into it with Bear of Need to Breathe. I'm here with Bear of Need to Breathe. It is so nice to have you on the show, man. How how uh, how are you holding up? I'm doing good, man. Considering, I think um, <laughs> yeah, everybody is probably answering the same way. But it's good days and bad days. Yeah, you know, like I, I get so many different answers to the same question, and it's kind of surprising. You know, like we're all lead singers on this show. That's what this podcast's all about. We all kind of do the same thing. Uh, but we do it in a lot of different ways. And, you know, coming from a guy like you that's been doing Need to Breathe so long, you know, a new solo project, and you've really been, you know, pretty much like go, go, go for the better part of 20 years, let's say. Is the break kind of nice? 
Yeah, it's. I mean, there's definitely been really positive things about it. I think it's forced me to, you know, obviously be home way more than I ever have. My family is probably sick of me by now. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, I think, you know, there's just things that you get very soft on the road, you know, I think for me anyways, a lot of people do things for you all the time. Right. So you don't have to worry about where your meals come from and you don't have to clean up really anything, you know, just, you just kind of, um, so being here, it's, it's been, it's, it was tough at first to be honest. And it, it it's yeah. been really rewarding. Um, I feel yeah. like you kind of forget how much you enjoy that part of life. No, um, totally, and, man. you know, yeah. Like certain yeah, so. things, like I've gotten pretty good at cooking. And, you yeah. know, cause I've never had to cook this much in my life, you know, yeah, totally. I, I've never been home. I've never been home for five. Well, it's been five months. I don't think I've ever been home, you know, for five months without like at least, you know, either going on tour or like making a record or something, you know? So yeah, for sure. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, well, man, I, you know, first time on the show, so much to talk about and I'd love to just to dive back into the beginning of your life a little bit because, you know, you have such an interesting story, uh, you know, where you grew up, how you grew up, um, you know, all the way leading up to your college football career, which is wild, uh, you know, and, yeah. and here we are so many years later now, you know, with millions of records sold and, you know, a very successful side project that I want to talk about. And of course, the new stuff that's coming out. But let's talk about those early days. Um, it seems like football was really ingrained into you, you know, with your family and everything. But I'm more yeah. interested in kind of how music was in your household. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I, my dad um, was a trumpet player growing up and and um, would play with Roy Clark and Glenn Campbell and all these people. So really was from like the music business side of things, um, even oh, though yeah. by the time, you know, I was around, he was a preacher, you know. Um, right. So he was aware of the rock and roll world and all that. Um, mom was a piano teacher. Um, their first job that they got at a, when they first got married, where they were choir directors at a church. So like um, music was all around my house. Um, and for whatever reason, it took a while to sink into me. I, I love music early, you know, but I just yep. was never really interested in playing it. I wanted to play music and it probably was all the like, the piano lessons, the kids that came over and played those horrible songs during piano lessons <laughs> my whole life. <laughs> I was just like, I don't want any part of this. Um, I so I, I think it kind of, you know, it's funny. Like I, when I went to college and I, I was probably 16 or so when I first started playing guitar and writing songs and, and oh, wow. I so, was kept a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had to go in there and beg my mom to teach me, you know, theory things that I should have known when I was much younger, um, way so, later. Are you, are I know you're an accomplished guitar player, obviously. Are you an accomplished piano player too? Um, I don't know. An accomplished might be like a strong word for what I do on piano, but <laughs> I, um, I, I write songs on piano and I play, you know, I play some of the songs live. It's, it's been funny because I've for, been forced into it. I never thought I would ever play on stage piano and that kind of thing. And I've done a little bit of that mostly because I wrote a song. Right. And then, you know, it gets on the record and it's like, oh crap, somebody has to play this. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I do it that way. I'm, I'm funny about that. I'm, I've got a piano in my studio right now that I write a lot of songs like B or B flat and so i'm and i'm so bad at piano i try to write and see most of the time so oh, yeah. i'm having the whole piano tuned down to b flat um <laughs> is, that a, is that a thing i've never heard of that i well the guy the guy's giving me a really hard time about it, the piano tuner but it oh, is it's gonna be a thing it's um <laughs> it's taking a little bit of time he's like it might take a year or two to get it all the way down I'm like let's take your time let's do it that is so funny yeah it's that's exactly the same um i'm i'm horrible horrible piano player 
and I was just talking about this the other day. I, I'm a guitar player, right? And, and I think it's because when you play guitar, you know, you don't use your thumbs when you're fretting the fretboard at all, right? It's yeah. all just your your four yeah. your four fingers. So when I get to a piano and I have to use my thumbs, I just I don't have the coordination. And obviously, right, yeah. it's very important to use your thumbs when you're playing, and I can't. Right. So yeah, yeah. And it's funny you say that too. I was just recording some vocals like last week, and you know, you I'm in the studio warming up, and I, there was no guitar around. All there was was a piano. So I'm like, oh geez, here we go. Well, yeah. Here, here goes my best. It's going to be in the key of C, which for my range yeah, exactly. kind of works at least. So there you go. There you go. I'm lucky that way. Wow. So um, yeah, this this football thing is interesting because you know I'm a big sports guy and. Uh, I don't get a lot of lead singers that had actual sports careers, um, you know, it was, and it wasn't like this was a, you, you know, you played in high school a little bit or whatever, or or you even played in college and you rode the bench. You were a star player for a Division <laughs> One college. I mean, you won awards, you set school records. This wasn't like, you know, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just no joke. Yeah, yeah, it was serious. I mean, it's, it seems like a. a crazy lifetime ago you know but i'm a still i'm a huge sports fan so it's yeah. it's really fun to think back about that and um yeah i mean it is i don't i don't get to talk about it very much anymore and honestly i don't my wife doesn't even let me hold you know have any of the things around the house from back then so oh, i kind of forget <laughs> oh sir i'm serious she's like well it's a little tacky to have the trophy and the whatever you know so we just have uh <laughs> i have kind of forgotten about it until you know somebody brings it up but it's it is um, it was really fun, man. It, yeah. it was just a really awesome time of my life. And the camaraderie you have is, it's a lot like being in a band, but sure. you know that it's just, but the discipline was obviously a little bit crazier. Um, you know, in college football, it was, it was really fun. I, I still, we had, because of the pandemic, I had a, a zoom call with some buddies I played with recently and, and, you know, it's like, yes, like we were all together, you know, again, it was really fun. Absolutely. That's like such a cool thing that you were able to do in your life. But I just imagine, you know, I, I went to college too for a few years and we're about the same age. And at the time I went, I found it very difficult to be balancing, you know, my academics and, you know, parts of my social life, you know, going to, going to college and all that. Also trying to get my music kind of, you know, up and running and playing shows on the weekends and, and whatever. But, you know, you were doing that on top of playing football full time. I just imagine that must have been a crazy whirlwind in very formative music, like musical years for you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah, it was. And, and honestly, I mean, I joke, it's like the academics is what took the backseat, obviously, in that <laughs> <Of course>. scenario. <laughs> um, but it, you know, it was, it was crazy. At my, I, the school that I went to was really, there was a quarterback there before me that was a songwriter. And so I think he kind of opened some doors, you know, with the coaches about like what that might mean. Oh, and yeah. so it was really, yeah. they were really cool about stuff. Like I remember, you know, after a game on a Saturday, I would go play a show and they would let me get in the van with the band instead of ride the bus back with the team. Um, so stuff like that. I, I think we were probably playing 60 or 70 shows a year while I was in college. Um, so yeah, wow. not a lot of study time, obviously, but, um, it was a formative time. I mean, you know, that, that time when you're like taking in music for the first time, really, you know, where you can go to shows and all that. Um, it, it was, it was life changing for me. So to back up for, for a second, you know, you, you say you don't, didn't start playing guitar, writing songs till you're 16 years old. That's, you know, that's fairly late. What was there a yeah. band, a certain specific artist or song or album or, or something you got turned on to at that time that said, you know what, like, I'm going to pick up a guitar. I'm going to try this out myself. You know, honestly, what got me into it, which is crazy to think, because I was a, I was a big, 
um, you know, like Black Crows, Tom Petty fan, all those kind of things musically. And even before that, you know, a lot of like rap and those, you know, I was just all over the place. Sure. Um, I was, my dad was a preacher, like I said, and he, he, um, we had a job, me and my brother on the weekends to clean the church, which was involved vacuuming and like all the whatever. Right. And they left there. Somebody left a guitar uh, on the stage and they had little chord sheets of how to play these songs. And those, all those songs were so simple, you know, it was three chords and a whatever, but it was like a little picture of where to put your fingers. And yeah. honestly, that's, I just got, I just was like, Oh, that's kind of neat. It beats cleaning the church, I guess. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that's really what got me into it. And it wasn't until, um, probably a few years later where I saw the black crows for the first time, saw Ben Harper for the first time, yeah, yeah. you know, all that Ryan Adams, all that, you know, just like a lot of those kind of things, um, really formative, you know, in terms of like, okay, I can play electric guitar and this is what I want the band to look like or sound like and feel like. Right. No, that's, that's awesome. And something good happened. I mean, it worked out, you know, um, yeah. maybe, maybe it had to do with just the success you had in your life. I mean, in football and everything, maybe you were given some kind of drive. I don't know. No one knows the answer to that question, but you guys got signed to a big label, you know, not a Christian label, not a, you know, indie label yeah. at all, Atlantic records. And I love to ask people about the, how did you get signed story, especially when it's that era you know, when you're talking yeah. about big contracts and, you know, all the A&R yeah. guys are from, they've probably got stories about Motley Crue and like, you know, right. I mean, it's, it's such a weird yeah, totally. time. So tell me about that. How did you guys get signed? You know, it was a, it was a bizarre time. We, we had met these, we, we kept bringing A&R guys down. Like there was interest and it was like, what show could we come to? And we, our biggest club show um, was probably an hour from our house or so. But like three or 400 people would come out to those shows and it was always yeah. just a good atmosphere, you know, to have that kind of thing. Um, and I remember us meeting some guys we really didn't like, you know, just like, <laughs> like you're saying, like just, just some really like sort of greasy kind oh, of, know. uh, I you know, know, I wasn't great. And then, and then, um, and then, but then you get, and you meet some people that you do like, and then the next step is you go to New York and you showcase or whatever. <laughs> um, right. and it was hilarious for us because we were so small town that, that New York was like, not a cool place to go for us at the time. Like it was just um, really uncomfortable. And I remember they like, <laughs> sure. yeah. like some label, I think it was Virgin Records at the time, um, took us to this restaurant, you know, it's like really expensive, uh, Asian restaurant or something. And, and like, none of us knew what to order. So we all, we all ordered chicken fried rice and <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just one of these, like, like they're, they're spending out the big bucks, you know, for these guys, like they would have been better off taking us to freaking McDonald's or something. I know. Um, I know. So yeah. And they had, they did this thing they brought us by and um, they had Rob Thomas actually come to the bar at the restaurant. And it was like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> funny. Bringing in the big guns. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I guess and he's from his mom is from South Carolina or he is or something. And so okay. there was a tie there somewhere. And, he, and so they brought him in. And, and he I remember him saying, he's like, whatever you do, don't sign with these guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that backfired on them. Yeah, totally. I have no <laughs> idea what that connection was all about or who he owed, you know. <laughs> but, That's so good. Um, yeah, pretty funny. Um, so but then good. we ended up, you know, finding a guy that was that had, had signed a lot of Southern bands. I mean, that was he signed Collective Soul and um, and this guy, Elvin McCain, which is from Greenville, South Carolina, and, and just, um, you know, the Hootie and the Blowfish stuff and all that. There were some guys that were like, okay, at least we know they come from the same region as us. It makes right. some sense. Right. Um, who and the, then, of who course, was the like, A&R guy, if you don't mind me asking? Kim Stevens. Kim, Kim Stevens. Stevens. I don't know Kim name. Stevens. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I knew he, a few people at, at uh, Atlantic at that time, mostly the West Coast people, like 
Tom, right. Tom Storms and uh, yeah. uh, Kevin Williamson. Um, I knew them because yeah. I was in a band that was getting kind of courted by Atlantic. So I, I'm always very interested in, in especially Atlantic yeah. Records at the time because they were just so oh, massive. Man. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's always been it's we've always been really strangers on that label in a way. It's like it never made total sense. No, um, no. But but it's been you know it was awesome because it it um it, he took a chance on us in a lot of ways. I felt like and and of course like we make the first record and we come home. We went to England to make it and we come home and everybody gets fired or leaves. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so and then we're like, well, maybe we should leave, you know? And they're like, no, you can't leave. So. Um, <laughs> It, it, it sort of it was just you know it's kind of a classic story from that time what's crazy is that after that you know um everybody who has pretty much been there ever since um which is kind of so like it took us a couple of records to get our feet under us it felt like there um but i mean it's unheard of really for a label to be um you know have the same people at the top for that long totally well it's such a chaotic time in the music industry when you guys started to you know put out your first few records right this is like right before it was like when cds were not selling quite as well and digital hadn't really started yet and streaming wasn't a thing so you know you had this really really strange time so you know for you guys to have so much success you know earlier in your career i mean and, and continue on it's it is difficult because a lot of bands fell through the cracks and I don't know what that speaks to if maybe you know you say you felt like a stranger on the label you know maybe maybe it was better than a lot of other situations other bands on other labels had of course you know you don't really know that but yeah. you know I, I guess to ask you a question I always felt like Need to Breathe was always sort of under the radar do you agree with yeah. me on that Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I say this to people all the time. I'm like, it's just when, especially at a big concert, you know, if we're playing whatever Greek theater or something, I'm always like, this is, the, we're the biggest band that you're, none of your friends know, you know, who we are. Um, and I, I think that's true. I think it's, it's yeah. really crazy how, you know, and, and that's something, that's a lesson we learned early. I think, you know, when you're, when you're going around and you're touring and you're playing to like 50 people in Boston or something, it's like, man, we don't need all of Boston to like us. <laughs> we just need a couple of hundred people. And I was like, that, like that, the that uh, you know demographic is so small. Like it could be all the left-handed tennis players that only wear one <laughs> shoe. You know, if we could get them to like us. Um, so I think that was kind of like um, a, a realization to us. But it's oh, also yeah. kind of been our fate in a lot of ways. It's like, man, the people that are into our band are just like over, like kind of psycho about it, and the other people have no idea. No, I know. It's totally, that's totally how it is. I mean, that's a good realization, you know, to start with those small goals. I remember touring in the early days and I think we had our first guarantee. It was like, like our first guarantee that was a thousand dollars. And, you know, of course it was like all the other shows were paying us like 150 bucks or 250 bucks. And then we had the one show that was like a thousand. I was like, man, if we could only get a thousand dollars every show, like we could do this forever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, now, now a thousand dollars, like we, you know, it's so little when you have add up all the expenses and everything you, you know, you need, Yeah. but it, it is really just like you said, you don't need to be this huge band that everyone knows about. Like if you talk about someone like Taylor Swift or Tim McGraw, you know, they're all over the place. Everyone knows them. And you know, those are artists that you've toured with. And I always, whenever I see bands like, you know, your kind of name underneath, you know, this massive name, I always think to myself, hmm, like, how is that going for them? 
You know, like in, in the grand scope of it, because sometimes you're playing like early and sometimes like the lights are on, like, you know, people are yeah. are getting ushered into the arena and the like fucking lights are on and you're playing and the sounds sounds like shit. And, you know, it's like, right. how how is that? Because I don't always talk to artists that have toured with, you know, Taylor Swift and Tim McGraw yeah. and Faith Hill. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky because I think they're all unique, you know, experiences. Because I do think that's true. I mean, you can, your production can be terrible, or the setup is terrible. Um, mostly in those scenarios, like those two especially, you know, we had great setups. Um, Taylor was awesome to us. We were we were direct support on that, and yeah. felt like pretty much all the seats were filled by the time we played. You know, and they let us use some production and stuff like that. Um, I will say, you know, I think I tell people other you know kids that are in bands coming up. I just it's not as it definitely is not as helpful to me you know how big and commercial the thing is it's way better if the stuff is like um you know i think our biggest things we got were like clubs that we played for you know two thousand people we were opening up for um it felt like that turned into more tickets than it did when we played the garden you know two nights in a row or whatever (laughs) um so which is just crazy to think about but i do think there's a there's a lasting connection and a lot of people want to have the story, you know, that they saw you in the club or whatever. So you feel like you do kind of build out from that. Um, but it was, it was the Taylor Swift tour is, you know, as an example, was really tough. It was um, younger fans. Obviously this is several years ago. So she, um, this was before she became a total pop star. There was like yeah. some country stuff in there. There yeah. was like some very, uh, I don't know, just very young girls were at the show screaming and and like if you just felt like they had they had her on her their lunchbox but they didn't know <laughs> if they liked the music you know what i mean right and so we were this especially at the time we were like this rock and roll kind of like you know uh, uh, we, we we were trying to be rock and roll and rebellious and all that and it was just not working right? Right. and so i think the first 20 or so shows you know were, were okay and and felt um but we just like really uh we learned a lot of lessons from it because Taylor is so professional and so great and works really hard at it and kind of does the thing. But we also kind of like, I don't think that's exactly what we want to do. Right. Right. I know, I know we're talking about something that happened like almost 10 years ago, but did you try to dictate, dictate your set list to those fans or did you just kind of get up there and kind of rock? No, we did. We tried, we tried to like keep all elements of ourselves in a six minute, 30 minute set. You know what I mean? It's like really hard to do. Um, but we tried to like make it a little bit of arena thing. And I think honestly, probably the biggest takeaway, you know, we had from that was how to relate to a bigger audience. I mean, we had never been, you know, on where it's the screens are basically just cutting your face off, you know, so you can't tell what's (laughs) happening with your body. I was like, man, I would watch the video back. I'm like, all they see us is us. And we're, you know, we're moving all around. You can't tell. Right. Um, So I think some of that was really important and how to talk to an audience slowly and all that. I mean, we used to be, I mean, when we were club band and theater band, we didn't, we might say five words all night. Um, so to, to be able, you know, to introduce yourself to an audience and introduce the songs well and like make it mean something, um, sure. you know, we learned a lot. Sure. No, it reminds me a little bit of my band went on tour with Avril Lavigne in Japan. Yeah. And, you know, we're like, we're a heavy band. Uh, you know, we, we scream and stuff, you know? Yeah. So getting yeah. that tour, we, we kind of laughed at the offer and then said, Eh, fuck it let's uh, let's go you know yeah, I mean yeah, like, yeah. so so we went over there and I remember we were doing it was a whole like it was it was like two weeks in Japan which is a lot you know like we were playing yeah. every little you know not little like arenas but like you know we were playing usually it's not it's not just Osaka and Tokyo or maybe Nagoya we played like Hiroshima and we played you know 
all these other little places. But I remember the first show, first couple shows we played, I think it was three nights in arenas in Nagoya. And after like the third one, we were like, yeah, this just isn't like these people don't seem to care, you know, and we're trying to play like our softer songs. So we said, you know what, like for this fourth show, let's just come out with a bang. Like, let's play like we would, you know, like we were opening for, I don't know, Converge or something. So we we start um, we start playing and it was went way better. Like I don't know if it, they, yeah. there was more sincerity in our on our part, but it got so funny because yeah. you know we're talking about little Japanese girls there to see Avril Lavigne. They've never heard a band like right. us. So every, <laughs> and then it was so funny. Every time I would scream, they would cheer. You know, like they were it was yeah, such like, a weird yeah. I'm thing. into this. And then yeah, for the rest yeah, of the totally. tour, we just we just went and we just did that. And I don't know how much we really got yeah. out of it, but you know, it's just funny the the fish out of water thing can you know it can work yeah, and it can not yeah. work. You know. Yeah, for sure. And I think we kind of told ourselves by the end, we were like, look, we might be the first rock and roll experience these people have. You know, it's like, they're yeah, they're 12 years old and they don't really, they're not, they haven't been through enough life to understand what the song is about yet. But they, you know what I mean? But they, but they like the energy and the aggression of it and all that. So, um, yeah, that was another, that's, that's a great lesson, I think. There's always the gateway, you know, idea too, right? Like the, not everybody there at a pop concert is going to listen to pop their whole life. They're going to discover other genres of music and maybe for the first time they heard need to breathe and went huh like this is cool i like i like the sound of distorted guitar you know what i mean yeah we definitely i run into people all the time i did not think at the time it was that great for us and honestly it ended up being so many shows and whatever even though they were so like honestly i can't say this enough like taylor was so nice to us i mean we would never i don't know if we'd be as nice to openers as she was to us so um (laughs) but like Wow. Great, you know, um, but um, I don't know where I was going with that. Just lost my train of thought. That's Sorry. okay. It happens to me all the time. Did, did you back then? You know, Taylor obviously wasn't that. She was still big, but not like she is today. Like an actual absolute powerhouse. Did you see that coming? Yeah. Like just with her whole thing. Like, did you know she was going to be pretty much the biggest artist in the world? Yes, um, I think so. I mean, it, it's crazy to think because we were playing. Even then, we were playing stadiums. I mean, there was probably oh, really? ten stadiums on the tour. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And like you know, we, I think five nights at Staples and places. I mean, oh, it was my goodness. I didn't know. Wow. Nutty. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. just so, crazy to think she's been that big for that long now. That's that's. Yeah. Weird. I mean, she wasn't very far into her career when that happened. You know, it's yeah. just, she was really that big. Um, but just their whole organization, the way they treated it, um, you could tell like this is things going to last. Like they just. They, I mean, it's super consistent and it's really hard to do that over that many shows and that many different kind of venues and all that. Just, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. It's, I think she had 20 buses, maybe 20 trucks. <laughs> yeah. It's just insane. <laughs> so this parking is hard enough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So I want to talk about the new stuff. So you got a new record coming out, out of body, August 28th. Is that right? Yeah. And so that's that's coming up pretty soon, man. Time has been flying by the last few months. So talk to me about this record. I mean, putting it out at a time like this, um, it's, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad. I've had, you know, both yeah. answers talking to people. You know, obviously you can't go out and tour it. I know you're doing some other, you know, interesting stuff with, you know, your, your uh, what is it? What did you call it? Celebrating Out of Body, a fully immersive yeah. concert experience. Uh, so talk to yeah. me all about that, like what your whole plan is here for this, you know, I guess album release, album launch. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was it is weird as you think about the live show and we're such like production band and all that. Just like it really sucks to have the record coming out and not be able to go out and do it like you want right away. 
um, saying that, it just felt like the time when people need music. And we're that yeah. kind of, I mean, that's kind of what we do is like, you know, we want to make music people live to and, and can lean on in tough times and it's inspiring in, in different ways. And so I think that's something, it wasn't much of a question for us. Like once we got the record done, I was like this, this thing needs to come out now and, and we'll figure out the rest of it later. So um, yeah, we're doing this live stream sort of thing. It's, it, we've been trying to come up with what to call it because it's really not that exactly. It's it's uh, we'll be in a studio and multiple cameras and, yep. um, you know, so it should sound good and all that. But we're not going to look at the camera. We're going to look at each other. So we're going to have like conversations between songs and just let it kind of roll like all your people. People are going to be a fly on the wall. Um no, totally. To the experience. So I think, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I think that's the right approach. You know, like sometimes I'm hearing about bands, you know, and they're like, oh, we're going to play this, this, uh, you know, live stream and we're going to be in a venue and we're going to be playing like 30 songs. And it's like, do I really want to watch a band on my phone play 30 songs in a row with like, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's, there's something missing, you know? So I think yeah, when, totally. you can, when you can put a band in an environment where it's like, okay, this is real. This is, you know, them together playing playing their songs you know you know telling stories you know talking about especially when they're new songs that have just come out you know there's probably lots to you know inform people about to me that's a lot more interesting you know and and you got to put another element in if you're going to take so many elements out right like it's not going to be loud it's not going to you're not going to be a bunch of people around you it's not going to be you know people all huddled together so I think that that's really cool that you're taking a different approach like that. Yeah, I hope it works out. I mean, I think we'll, I think we'll definitely make some mistakes on there, and it'll be, you know, kind of interesting. But I think it, I do. I want. I, we want that. You know, I mean, like we felt like we needed to do something like that to, to really complete the process of making a record. And and you know, we've always kind of joked like people used to tell us, you know, when it's ten people in there, play it like it's ten thousand. And right. we were always like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because <laughs> we were like, we're like, if somebody's cell phone rings and everybody hears it, you should act like you heard it. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and so I thought for us, it was always like, no, you play to the room. Like if it's, if people are into it, they're into it. You kind of feedback, it's like a conversation you're having. Right. So how right. do we do that now online? You know, when you can't see anyone and you're not looking at your phone playing and whatever. So we do our best. Right. No, I just I picture you in like an intimate environment with an acoustic guitar, you know, like like maybe a VIP thing, like 20 people circled around you sitting on the floor and you're playing and you just come out with like, what the fuck is up, South Carolina? Yeah, exactly. You know, like everyone would be like, ah, God, get me out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, okay, well, well, we got a few more minutes. Talk to me about this record. So you've put out five songs right now already. That's quite a lot. I mean, that's like half the record. And the songs are all really great. Uh, I, I man, I don't even know which one I like the most. But uh, talk to me about this just this whole idea. Did you make the record obviously pre-pandemic? You didn't know this was going to happen. Just right. talk to me about the whole the whole thing yeah. of putting together I mean, this album. It was really honestly it was it was pretty thematic. I think once we figured out, like we, it's been four years since we made a record, so there was lots of songs floating around for a while. Um, but it took sort of. Um, us sort of figuring out what the record was centered around. You know, I always talk about that you need windows into the house before you can get in. And it just felt like we were waiting on that. And, and what really the out of body concept was, was kind of twofold for me. It was like very um, mental health in a way. Like I, I, I yeah. deal with a lot of anxiety and those kind of things. And, and 
watching my two little kids, um, you know, start to like, they have none of that. <laughs> they, they might have a little, but for the most part, they walk into every room, you know, my little boys, you know, just walk in naked and with their arms out, they're just ready to roll, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I want a little bit of that, you know? And so there's a lot of this on the record about me kind of, um, wanting to get back to some of those things that, you know, being open and vulnerable and, and, and it's also about kind of moving past, your ego. And, and, um, that's what the out of body thing is about. Just like, right. I, I have such an awareness, you know, when I'm walking into a room of not being enough or all those kind of things. And I just like, I want to get past that more often. And, and, um, so I, I guess you could say it's like a soundtrack, um, to that process for people, hopefully. Interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, you're the front man of a, you know, wildly successful band. You're playing, stadium sometimes you know in front of thousands and thousands of people yet it seems like at your core maybe you're a bit of an introvert like you know you're no a, bit doubt. Of a quiet guy no doubt. Yeah, yeah isn't that interesting how that can happen yeah it is it, and uh, you know it's funny i people who know me you know before and outside of the stage before they're always when they come see the concert the first time they're like what was that they're like who is that person up there um because i am really quiet and you know i mean i i'm literally so much of an introvert like if i'm at a wedding and there's 150 people there or something like i have to go you know I said, this is too many people in this one room i don't know if i can so the idea that i can get up there with a guitar it is it is uh it doesn't make a ton of sense um but it's it's um it's actually been a really safe place for me i think that's that's probably a lot of the introverts would say that about performing i i feel um you know very much myself on the stage in that way, maybe more than most times. Right. Well, you talk about your two boys, Wilder and Woods, and you've named your solo project after them, Wilder Woods. And, you know, you talk about your own anxieties and stuff. I mean, starting a solo project and not having a name to hide behind. Well, I guess you kind of did, but, you know, you don't have yeah. other people involved. Like, if it all goes south, um, it's oh, on yeah. you, right? I mean, there's so much anxiety, yeah. but yet you did it. It's was very successful. You know, I mean, a lot of times solo projects from successful band lead singers, they serve a purpose maybe as a creative outlet or to change it up. But this has done really, really well. Did it exceed your expectations, you know, on the, the, the success? Yeah. Yeah. You know, in some ways, I mean, for me, my goal of it really was like you're saying, it was a a little bit more of just like, I want to finish this, you know, (laughs) I just want to like go out and you know, it's need to read is obviously my livelihood, my job. But yep. Walter Woods was this idea like I could do something that wasn't a means to an end and I didn't have to worry about whether it was successful or not. Um, and that was really mm-hmm. freeing, you know, it gave me some confidence, I think, going collaborating with different people and also taking other people's opinions on board a little more freely. Um, you don't have to feel like you've got such a tight grip on everything. Um, and that's been really cool to me coming back to the band now. I feel like I brought that spirit back. Um, it, you know, I, I think I had kind of lost that over time. Like it just felt like, um, you know, the, tr- the, the big band heads, like it's a train that left the station. Now, now all the people yeah. you know, in the audience really own this thing. And I'm just, I'm just working for it in a way. Right. Um, right. you know, so it was nice to come back and be like, no, you know what, this is, this thing comes out of our voice and feelings and, you know, places that we are. And, and so I think, feel like we put more of that into this one. I love it, man. No, I, I really, really like the solo stuff. It's really, really cool. Thanks, man. It's cool that you're able to have, you know, these two these two things going on now. Are, have you done much touring with Wilder Woods? I, I wasn't able to really find that. Yeah, that not a ton. Not yeah. a ton. I did, I, did a, I did an American tour, um, and I did um, uh, UK, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, 
yeah. So it was, it was, it, you know, it was really fun for me. It was really challenging because you're, you're so used to like kind of the things that work and developing a band. I mean, you know, this, you know, but like an act even, it's just like, it takes so much time on the road. This was like our first show, I think was a national TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that's totally backwards. It's not the way it's supposed to work. I know. And so yeah. I felt, you know, it was really strange. Um, doing that and it just took a lot of work and a lot of but it also kind of took some of the sting out of doing that in the future it feels like man if you can do it when you don't practice or where you haven't had a chance to practice or be around you know obviously a band you've been playing with for 20 yeah. years you gotta be able to do it pretty confidently um <laughs> so yeah well say yes and figure it out later i guess right that's it that's it so so uh yeah i mean i'll let you go in a minute i got just one more question and basically i just want to know your take on you know moving forward obviously we don't know what's going to happen, you know, when things are going to open back up or where or whatever. But, you know, personally, you know, with your brother leaving the band just a few months ago, you know, you guys are going to get back in the bus. You're going to be doing shows again. What's that going to be like? I mean, just with the, the whole future, do you have any insight on, you know, on what that's going to be like for you guys? Man, yeah. I mean, I think for us, yeah, I think I think we really want to be uh, on the responsible side of it. I feel like we have such a relationship with our fans. We always felt like we couldn't afford to go in and have a bad show. You know, we've obviously had some, but it always felt like, man, if you want this to actually work, you have to kill it when you play Chicago right. every time, you know? And right. I think I think we're taking that thinking into this a little bit where it's like, yeah, the fans would want you see, want to see you, but could you do a show like you, like you know you can, you know? Or is this like a little bit handicapped by what's going on? So I think for us, that's what we're kind of waiting on is like, we want, we want to be able to, to fully go. And I think every band is different though, you know? So like, if it makes yep. sense, you know, to go out there and do it stripped down or do it a different way, then, then that's great. It's fine. And, and, you know, I think at some point it will be people's choice. Um, but right now it's, it's, it's so murky, as you know, it's, I think at some point if there is a vaccine out there and people will decide that they take it or they don't take it, but then it won't be our responsibility to keep them safe like it is now. Um, so, sure. you know what I mean? I, I, I think so. I think at some point I do think shows will come back. What I know is just from talking to people and even myself, the appetite for live music, um, is going to be so strong. Oh, yeah. And I think that's going to be really, really fun and cool. I think I think there will be a heightened um, energy to shows that people just, you know, it just like anything, it parties too. It'll be like, but I just think that that human interaction, that the thing that we always loved but maybe took for granted, um, when it comes back, I think it'll be awesome. Right, right. No, like it's just like you know, I love going to the movies, and our movie theaters just opened up. I live in Canada. Our movies, yeah. movie theaters just opened up this weekend, and I was like. Fuck it, let's go. Like, there's only three movies playing. One of them, SpongeBob. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care. Just you know, just I just yeah. want to get in, in back into some kind of you know normalcy because you know I'm used to going to the movies like you know, you know, a couple times a month, three times, maybe two, three yeah, times yeah. a month, and I love that. And I haven't done that in five months, so it's true. Like the the, I think the the same thing will happen with with concerts when they come back. And uh, I, I wish you guys all the best. Uh, it's really great Thanks, to man. have you on the show. And I also want to shout out. Your foundation to need to breathe cares.org with everything going on out there in the world right now, you guys are trying to make a difference, and that is really, really cool as well. I encourage people to check that out. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Anything else to tell the people? No, man, that's it. All You're right, awesome, man. We did thanks it. for having me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man. Uh, Bear, thanks so much. Of course, no worries. Thanks for having me. So, there it is with Bear. What? A nice guy. What a crazy, interesting life this guy has had. He has done 
a lot of stuff. And the new Need to Breathe record, Out of Body, is out right now. Just came out just last week. It's a slamming album. So much great material on this. They push the boundaries. And I really do like the concept and the themes that they have within this record. I think everybody can get something out of this. All right. Well, another reminder, if you like the show, check out the All Access Club. If you don't want to do that, share this episode, tell a friend, tell a loved one, write a review on iTunes. This show will always be free, and that is all I ask. Make sure you are subscribed. I will see you next week. I'll leave you with a tune. Here is Who Am I by Need to Breathe on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. See you next week. White lies and desperation, hard times and conversations. No one should ever love me like you do. Sometimes my bad decisions define my false suspicions. No one. Should ever love me like you do While I'm on this road You take my hand Somehow you really love Who I really am I push you Thank you.